the world's favorite tax collector who became a follower of Jesus. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through 28 days of Matthew. So now we're looking at Matthew 7, and we're going to kind of, if Jesus is talking about self-righteousness and how you shouldn't be self-righteous, self-righteous in your giving, self-righteous in your living, self-righteous in serving others, I mean, all these different things that we look to ourselves and say, hey, what a good job I'm doing. If it's not that, then it is him. And then there's a follow-on to that. And that's what Jesus talks to at the early part of chapter 7. So we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where Jesus writes, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So Matthew 7 is... um, it's like a lot of uh, Proverbs of Jesus. There's a whole bunch of them in here, and they're, they're going in a whole bunch of different directions. But this one follows along from Matthew 6, which basically says, don't be self-righteous, and as a part of that, don't judge others. First and foremost, as, church, as Christians, we're called to simply love other people, period. Love one another as I have loved you. Um, that's the, that is the, all the commandments can be boiled down to love the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself and love God, right? Those are the commandments that we have. And yet so many times we turn, it happens in the Christian world too. We turn to judging others. We think that loving others maybe is by judging what they do and how they live their life and what they're doing wrong. And, and when they do something wrong, we point it out and, uh, we even do this, you know, in the bigger picture as the church, um, you know, has leaders and those leaders, you know, try to fight for uh, laws to be passed in the United States, um, which we should do. But sometimes it comes across as um, judgmental. Um, when we judge others, there are times when it is okay to do that. <laughs> um, I mean, there's times when it's not okay to do that. So I'm going to kind of delve into this a little bit because this is, this is something that applies a lot to our world today. So when you are a Christian, you are called to follow Jesus. You're called to look into Scripture and to follow Him the best way that you can. When you have something in your life and you don't know how to deal with it, The best way, the only way to deal with that is to go into Scripture and see what Scripture says about this particular issue. If Scripture tells you clearly how you should live your life or how you should do something, then do that. If it's questionable, then what I would encourage you to do is to go find other Christians and talk to them and say, I don't know, I'm struggling with this decision. How do you think I should go forward? Or what is your advice? Or what does Scripture say? And work it out. You know, it's funny, as you're living your life, you're going along day by day, and all of a sudden something hits you, this life event hits you, and you're just not sure what the best way forward is. And so you pause and you reflect. 
And you look through scripture, you delve into scripture, and you might say, okay, this is how I'm going to move forward. And then you take a step of faith. I believe God's calling me to do this. I'm going to take a step of faith in this direction. And then you do take a step of faith and you see how that works out. And if God blesses that, that's wonderful. And you say, okay, this is now the direction I'm going to go. And you, and you continually, as we live through your life, you're making modifications in your life to what the path is that Jesus wants you to do. That's because you're a Christian. You're called to do that. What if someone isn't a Christian? What if someone isn't committing their life to Jesus and saying that I want to go in that direction? Then your call in that instance is to love them as you would love anybody else and not to judge them. When you judge someone else, um, particularly a non-Christian, it does not come off very well. Um, There's like, why are you judging me? I don't have your same book or standard in my life. And, um, And so in those situations, I would basically walk alongside them and love them and be there and available to them, um, share the good news about why Jesus, you know, loves you, how you live your life, how Jesus, how following Jesus fills you with joy and peace and love and all those sort of things. And that is your Christian witness. It says in Peter, right? First Peter, always be, uh, always be ready to say why you follow Jesus and why you have the hope that is within you. Um, so uh, as you're walking through life, uh, you know, one of the ways you can know uh, is, has somebody been baptized? Once you've been baptized, right? Now you're part of the kingdom of God. Now you're accountable to the kingdom of God to live your life. Um, but so many times, and this happens uh, particularly for some people in our you know, younger generations, they want to be loved first before they want to be told how to live their life. That's just how they are. I know uh, if you have authority over somebody, you're certainly, like if you've got kids or grandkids or whatever, you're certainly um, you're allowed to put authority over them because you're an authority figure in them. But somebody who's just random on the street or somebody that you know casually and you don't have that relationship with, you're first and foremost called to love. And Jesus says, and, and it follows on, ye- on yesterday's Matthew 6, because Matthew 6 is, um, don't be self-righteous. We're all sinful. We all need Jesus. And so one of the ways that you cannot be self-righteous is to just not judge other people, right? Uh, there's an appropriate time to judge, there's an appropriate time to dig into scripture and point out what scripture says about different issues. Um, If somebody asks you, hey, I'm struggling with this decision, dig into scripture, look at it and say, yeah, scripture says this or say, scripture doesn't say this, I don't know. There are things that scripture's silent on. One of the worst things that we can do as a Christian is to put the burden of scripture on somebody when scripture really doesn't say what you think scripture is saying. So be very careful about that. Um, Don't judge other people and point out the speck in their eye when you have a log in your own eye. And we all have logs in our own eyes. Um, I remember I I was in high school and um, I was a new Christian then. I didn't become a Christian until seventh grade. I baptized right before seventh grade. And... um, as such, I was still trying to figure out the Christian faith because I hadn't lived my life in the Christian. I didn't know any of the stories. Uh, I didn't know any of the commands of Jesus. I really didn't know anything. And I was getting this dose of Christianity in seventh and eighth grade. And then I went into high school and I'm still trying to figure it out. And uh, 
I thought all Christians were Christians. I thought all Christians were kind, loving, generous people because that was what I was encountering in my new walk in faith. And uh, so I was um, in high school and I had a friend, his name was Lyndon, and he invited me to this event. Uh, he says, I want you to come to this event. And I was like, sure, why not? So I went with him to this event. I remember still uh, going in Phoenix uh, to this location. We went into a church and it was kind of a, it was kind of a, you know, we sing a bunch of songs and somebody preaches, kind of like a, a church service. Um, they called it a revival. And um, so we did that. And afterwards, this guy came up to me and his, uh, his name was Brother Amen. I still remember him. And he asked me what church I go to. And then he looked at me and he goes, you know that if you go to that church, you're going to hell. And it just, it just shocked me. I, I, I didn't think that that was the case. <laughs> um, and I didn't think that uh, it was just so, uh, it just struck me so much. And um, it's still even, I mean, how many years has it been in high school? 40 something years since I've been in high school. And that event that is still fixed in my mind. I mean, it shook me to the core. And um, so it caused me to go back and to do some research and to talk to a bunch of different people to find out, no, I'm not going to hell. Jesus still loves me. He cares for me. I'm in his kingdom. He's wrapping his arms around me. He's leading me in the path of righteousness, his righteousness. Um, but those are, those are scary things. Um, I imagine that for a lot of people, if you're not even secure in your own faith, in your own journey to God, then you're willing to lash out to other people. I, I don't know if it was done out of love or I don't know if it was just done out of insecurity, but it was a very scary thing for me. Um, don't, don't, I mean, there are times to, to challenge people if they're Christian and what the Bible says, but that is a journey and it is based upon a relationship with a person. And all correction in Christian living is done out of a relationship, all right? So first and foremost, work on the relationship. And when the relationship is solid, then work on the faith journey with a person. Um, and I think, honestly, I think that somehow the church went sideways on this. I don't, you know, if somebody has an issue that they're going through in their life, where do they go to today? They go to a therapist or they go to a counselor or they go to somebody who's not going to judge them, right? Who's going who's gonna to walk beside them in this journey. And somehow the Christian faith has lost out to all these therapists when we should be the ones who walk besides people in their journey. And, and uh, you know, if they tell us something uh, that we keep it confidential and that we work on it with them together. I mean, these are, these are things that's, I don't know how the, I don't know how the Christian faith um, kind of lost sight of that uh, because we should be the first and the foremost ones to love people unconditionally, to listen to the struggles they're going with, uh, to not judge them about the struggles they're going with and help them walk in their faith journey. Everybody starts uh, we have this, at Christ Lutheran Vale, we've got this image of our faith being the root system of a tree. And we want that tree to grow strong and healthy and big and thick, planted by the living water. And everybody starts with a little root, and that root system has to grow in everybody. That root system has to grow as their journey takes them. And what we don't want them to do is to cut off the root system or to cut them off from Jesus. We want them to continue to grow in their root system. 
so that they can be a strong, healthy tree. So um, don't judge others. It's only natural. Um, I have a couple other illustrations I was thinking about, but uh, we're kind of getting low. <laughs> um, uh, but I will, I will say one, because this one is applicable. So everybody that's uh, um, quarantined right now, not everybody, but if you have the ability to watch Netflix, I guess people are watching in droves this thing about uh, the Tiger King, okay? And the Tiger King is right, well, I won't spoil it, but the Tiger King <clears throat> is a show on Netflix, and it's about this quarrel between two people that cage tigers, right? The first one, his caged tigers, he's a guy. He's caged tigers his whole life. He breeds them, he sells them, makes a lot of money. And he uses the fact that he has tigers as an aphrodisiac um, in his life. Okay, I'll just say it that way. And then there's another lady who rescues tigers because I guess when they buy the tigers from this guy and they can't handle the tigers anymore, they put them out in the wild or they put them up for adoption. She cares for all these tigers. They both have tigers in cages. I mean, at its root, they both are, um, one guy exploits tigers for money uh, because he sells them. The other lady is in a rescue situation. And the Netflix thing is almost indicating, and I don't know if I agree with it, that, that she's also exploiting tigers because she used the tigers in the cages to get money. And then she uses that money to promote her cause too. So they're both kind of exploiting the tigers at some level. Okay, now I'm not making a judgment on that. But... Um, it is interesting that, uh, that the one, well, that they're, they're both judging each other, right? They are both, instead of loving each other um, and what they do for the world of tigers, because they both apparently love tigers, they both um, judge each other tremendously and what you're doing is wrong. And um, I just find it all very fascinating. Uh, but I don't know if I would recommend the show. It's not... It's, <laughs> The Tiger King is not the world's greatest person uh, in this show. I'll <laughs> just say that that way. Um, anyway, so I don't know how we got up in Tiger King. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're going to move on. We're going to go, go on to Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 7, where Jesus says, uh, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have done to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Man, so much good stuff here. Basically, Jesus saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Pretty much everything you need to know to live in the kingdom is contained in God's word. And it isn't that hard. It is basically just follow him, walk on the path that he has you to walk on, uh, know when you're walking on the path because you know God's scripture, you know his word, and it's not that hard. It's just love God and love, and love your neighbor. That's basically the path. It's not that hard. And you don't need a lot of things in life. You don't need a lot, you know, big things. You don't need a lot of power. All you need is your hands and your feet and a willingness to love and serve God and seek him and his righteousness and he will give you his righteousness. Seek him 
uh, ask for the things that you need. And the closer you are to God, the more you've drawn close to him and the more his kingdom permeates you, the more you live your life um, the way that he'd like you to live your life and seek the things that he wants you to seek, the more you will seek and find Jesus. I mean, it's that simple. You're in the kingdom. And a person in the kingdom lives their life for the king. And the king is pretty simple about how he wants you to live your life. Uh, all things are contained in scripture. And then he says, just, just do unto others what you would want them to do for you. That sums up the law and the prophets. That is awesome. Awesome stuff. And we go on. Verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now this is kingdom stuff here. There's a lot of ways to live your life. Um, the way to Jesus, the way living the kingdom, is a narrow way. Jesus does have some certain things that he wants you to do and to work on. And when you do and work on those things, the kingdom opens up to you. And what do I mean by that? Well, you're in the kingdom when Jesus calls you into the kingdom by your, by your baptism, by your confession of faith, by you being in the kingdom, you are in the kingdom. And nothing can destroy you from being in the kingdom. But just because you're in the kingdom doesn't necessarily mean you live your life uh, in service to the king, right? Um, and that's what God calls you to do, is to learn how it is now that you're in the kingdom. Now you have the signet ring and the robe, and he's called you in the kingdom. How are you going to live your life for the king? And it really is a narrow path. He's called you to love your neighbor as you and love God, basically. And those are the things he calls you to do. It's not that hard, it's not that hard to understand, but boy, is it hard to do. And not everybody who's in the kingdom is going to follow that way in the kingdom. Um, the path that Jesus calls us is, a, is the right path. He's the master of your life, so you should follow him. His commands that he's put down in scripture on how to live your life, sometimes they don't make any sense. Um, but the, the, those are the way, that's the way to the kingdom. Um, and there's a lot of people who think they're going to follow God's word just a little bit or partially. Um, you know, I agree with God in these things, but I don't agree with God in these things. And uh, God's word tells us how to live our life. And it all boils down to loving God and loving our neighbor. There are some things that he calls us to do, I know, that are very difficult. There are some things that he calls us to do that we're just not sure we have the strength and power to do it. But the more you follow God, the more you step out in faith, you're building that root system. I've always said faith is like a muscle, right? The more you use your faith, the stronger it gets. And then you can tackle bigger and bigger things in your faith life. Um, I, giving. I, I mean, if you are a person that has decided that you're going to follow Jesus and that you're going to let him take over your financial situation, all right? then, you know, one of the ways you can do that is to say, okay, I'm going to give a certain percentage to Jesus, right? I'm going to, he's given me all these blessings in my life, good or, you know, a lot or little or whatever. I'm just going to give some percentage and I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm just going to give that to Jesus. Uh, and when you do that, when you make a conscious decision 
to take some part of the blessings that he's given you and give it back to him, and you see the blessings in your life because of that, that strengthens that root system, that strengthens that muscle. So then you're ready to take the next step, a step of faith, and the next step, and the next step. And when you talk to people who give a significant portion of their income to Jesus, you will find that they wouldn't have it any other way because the blessings that they see in their life far outweigh the loss of the income or what they were gonna do with the money that God had given them. And I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why Jesus talks so much about finances in the gospels because it is one of the hardest ways to step out in faith and yet it is one of the easiest ways to see the blessings that God gives you in faith. So um, it, is a narrow, it is a narrow path uh, but it is one that God's called us to. Um, so uh, that takes us to verse 14. Now we're going to go to verse 15. He says, uh, Jesus, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So what Jesus is saying basically is you can recognize a person, a false prophet, by the fruit that they bear, all right? Now, this is, this is a hard one because you have to look for what is the fruit that a person is bearing. Like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all fruits of the Spirit, right? And if you see a person that bears those kinds of fruit, then those people are likely in the kingdom and they're preaching the good news. But if you see somebody who's preaching that is not just enveloped by those fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, self-control, if you see them living their life totally different, then I would not necessarily say that the words that are coming out of their mouth are good words. I wouldn't follow them. I would follow somebody like Jesus, who wants to live their life like Jesus. I would listen to the words of somebody who is like Jesus. There are a lot of powerful forces. You know, with the internet now, we have so many different voices out there that we can listen to. Um, and we never, really, we never really get to dig in to see how they live their life. Um, we never get to dig in to see if they have the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes it shines through, sometimes it doesn't. But I would be very, very, very wary of somebody who says that they're a follower of Jesus and yet they have no fruit at all. Um, that would be a very scary situation for me. And I'm not saying because, you know, when you look at somebody through the internet, you're only seeing one little tiny piece of them um, and they're blocking, you know, the rest of it. Uh, they're not letting you see that. That is, that is not even a relationship, to tell you the truth. That is somebody coming to you but you're not able to talk to them. Um, I would say any internet thing, even this thing right here, uh, without any feedback, this is just me talking to you. I have a relationship probably with most of you, but that's a relationship. You trust me because of a relationship. I trust you because of a relationship. 
Um, but, you know, a lot of these, uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, a lot of these preachers who are all one-sided, that's a one-sided relationship. They may say they care about you, but if it was at two o'clock in the morning and you needed something, they necessarily wouldn't show up at your doorstep. But there are people in your life uh, who would be, and that is a, that is a two-sided relationship. Um, and those are the relationships that I would covet and grow and build. And if somebody's telling you to do something and they're not um, themselves doing it or the, you know, practicing what they preach or they do not live their life with the fruit of the Spirit, I'd be very, very cautious about um, following them. You've got to test the spirits. You've got to test every prophet first by the Word of God. Know yourself the Word of God. And then uh, when somebody is in your life and they're telling you things, if they, if you know that they have fruit coming out of their life, then yeah, follow them. But if there's no fruit coming out of their life, be very cautious about that. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. Um, I don't want to, you know, trash some of the people on the internet or on the TV, but, you know, there's a lot of these guys um, that have big multi-billion dollar houses and airplanes and big industries. And for them, it's just about, you know, I, I, I don't want to judge them, all right? It could potentially be just about the money. It could potentially just be about the power and the fame. You know, the more power a person has, the more fame a person has, the more wealth a person has, the more... Uh, security they have because of all of that, the more that has a tendency to bias how they treat other people. Um, and, uh, you know, the less of that stuff that people have, then they have to rely on God. And um, God always pulls, pulls through. God provides what you need in this world. Um, if you have nothing, God still provides. I've always said that all you need is food and shelter and clothing you know, and relationships. Those are the, th and love, right? Those are the, that's really all you need when you're in the kingdom. And the more you're in the kingdom, you realize that's all you need. Now, my God may bless you with a whole bunch of other stuff, and that is great. And I'm not saying that that's wrong at all. And I'm not saying that all powerful, wealthy, you know, people with big, even some television preachers, some of them may be, their heart may be in the right place. I don't know. What I do know is that you have to be very careful of people um, who are who are prophets, right? Who are false that are prophets because they can come in and try to destroy you. It may be all about them and it may be nothing about you. It may be all about their kingdom and nothing about God's kingdom. So be very, very, very careful about that. So um, I think we're going to end there. I th is that, or does it go on? Uh, yes, there's, oh my goodness, we can't end. There's still more. All right, it was off my screen. All right, we're not going to end there. Um, Jesus goes on. He's verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did you not prophesy in your, did we not prophesy in your name? Listen to that. Did we not prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name? Uh, then I will tell them plainly, I never you knew you away from me, your evil doers. So you have true disciples of Jesus and false disciples of Jesus. And yet the false disciples, listen to what they're doing. They're prophesying in Jesus' name. They're driving out demons in Jesus' name. And they're performing miracles in Jesus' name. All this power stuff, right? They're doing it. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I never knew you. Because it's not about the power. It's about being in the kingdom. And it's about love. It's about concern. It's about where your heart is. 
James says the same thing. He says, don't be just a hearer of the law, be a doer of the law. Um, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And as the hands and feet in Jesus, we serve him and serve him first and foremost. And that is first and foremost in our life. It's not about all the power and the wealth and the, and the driving, you know, the things, the outward appearance stuff. It's all a matter of the heart, doing what Jesus has called us to do. That truly is the mark of a disciple. The, in the fruit of the Spirit, that is truly the mark of a disciple. Loving your neighbor, loving the people in your life, not judging, uh, being who God calls you to be, uh, following him. That's truly, truly what it's all about. Then last, just the last section, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, does them, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, right? If you do and follow what Jesus calls you to do, you're building your root system. It's like building your house on a rock. And the rain comes and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it did not fail because it was on a good foundation, on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great cash, and crash. And then when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. You know, you can go to church um, every day if you wanted to. I mean, I doubt this would happen because I think if you go to church every day, at some point, the word of God sinks into you. But you're in the kingdom, all right? You are a child of God. You're going to live with him forever. Um, but your root system is not strong because you never take the steps of faith that God's word calls you to at points in your life. The hard calls, the narrow path. And so, um, you never get the opportunity to grow your faith. Now, I'm sure if you're watching this, you know, you, you are, have a, I mean, nobody would sit and listen to me for an hour or 45 minutes unless they wanted to grow in their faith. That's for sure. So as you're talking to other people, um, it's, uh, there are times in your life when you have to grow in your faith. When you, when you take a step and leap in, leap in faith, that grows your root system or it helps build that foundation you have to do. It's not just listening to God's word. At some point, that word causes you to serve God in his kingdom, to take the narrow path, to do the hard things in life, to grow your faith. And as you do that over in time, then the root system becomes strong and big and healthy and the tree gets big and birds come and nest in its branches and it feeds by the streams that are around it. It finds nourishment. And all of these things are signs of a healthy, healthy, healthy disciple of Jesus Christ. And when you are that, when the streams, when the winds come and the hurricanes come and the stream rises, you being a child of God, building your faith over time, you can withstand those storms. Now, you'll never be lost because Jesus grabs a hold of you even in the midst of a storm and holds on to you tightly. And yeah, you might lose the root system or tree. There might be a lightning strike in your life where you might have a death that, you know, that just destroys the tree and all, all that's left is just a little bit. But Jesus holds on to you and he takes the remnant of that and helps you continue to build and to grow in your faith. You're never outside of the kingdom. Um, once Jesus calls you into his kingdom, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to continue growing in your faith. 
Um, we have two words for that. There's a fancy word. One is justification. The other is sanctification. Justification is where you realize that Jesus did everything for you on the cross. This week, we celebrate that, right? He came through Holy Week, died and rose again. His life was one to rescue you from the power of sin, to rescue you from the, from the first Adam, the sin of the first Adam, and bring you into the kingdom. But then there's sanctification. And sanctification is where the Holy Spirit walks with you in this life to help you grow your root system, to fight the battles of life, to help you make these moments of faith. That's, um, that's what we're called to do. And uh, that's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 7. So uh, that's a lot of words. I'm sorry about that. Um, I didn't even take a pause, but I wanted to get through it all. So may, uh, may God strengthen your faith and uh, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you for this time together in Matthew 7. Lord, continue to build our faith. Help us to not be self-righteous, Lord. Help us not to see the log in our own eye. Help us not to judge others. Help us to love as you've loved us. Help us to forgive as you've forgiven us. And continue, Lord, to build our faith so that we may be on a firm foundation, for you are the greatest foundation. Lord, be with this world and our community and our, and our nation as we all struggle with this pandemic. Continue to help in that situation, uh, provide wisdom to those that need it. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name.